What you're about to hear, I have never released on this feed before. Earlier this year, I got to have dinner with Charlie Munger. I spent over three hours with him. Shortly after that happened, I was asked the question, what did you learn from that experience? And I actually recorded my answer to that question. And so you're about to hear that recording now. Before we get to that, I want to tell you one of the first thoughts that I had when I woke up this morning. I heard the news of Charlie passing away yesterday. And I was actually surprised at one of the first things I thought about this morning was it was actually a quote of something that Sam Walton had said in his autobiography. Sam Walton said that he borrowed more ideas from Soul Price than anyone else. And Sam was in the business of learning from other entrepreneurs. In fact, in that same book, he says, everything that I've done, I've copied from somebody else. I'm in the same business. That is why founders exist. I'm in the business of learning from other entrepreneurs. And I realized this morning that I've borrowed more ideas for my own life and my own business from Charlie Munger than anyone else. Charlie's a hero to me. Charlie changed my life and I'm going to miss him. I hope you enjoy these notes from my dinner with Charlie Munger. What did you learn from having dinner with Charlie Munger? In case you haven't seen it yet, I just made a, uh, an episode. It's episode 295. It is about the book, The Tao of Charlie Munger, but it is also about the fact that I got invited to have dinner at Charlie Munger's house. I got to spend over three hours with him and I got to ask him any question, no, no limits. Like you could ask him whatever you wanted. And so the first thing that I learned is he's exactly as advertised. The, the Charlie that you see at the Berkshire meeting, the Charlie that you've maybe watched speeches on, the Charlie that you've read books on, that is the same guy. He really does read all the time. His bookshelves were filled when he says, hey, you should become friends with the eminent dead. He says he's a biography nut. I thought, you know, close to 300 biographies for the podcast so far. He makes me look like a biography amateur. He had books on his shelves. And don't worry, he let me look through his shelves and I, I'm going to order a bunch of these books. They're really hard to find. I've already tried to track a bunch of them down. But he, he lives what he preaches. The fact that, hey, you should become friends with the eminent dead. Uh, the fact that you should find what you're good at and you should pound away at it forever. It took him 41 years to find his life's work. But once, once he became a full-time investor, he knew that that's what he was gonna do for his whole life. He's just obsessed with it. He loves this idea where he could design his own schedule. He never wanted to have people to manage a bunch of people. He wanted to read all the time and make money with his mind. And so while I was with Charlie, it was so incredible uh, to be able to meet one of your heroes. Like he had, you know, a heavy influence. Like I've stolen so many of his ideas that I had prepared a list in advance of a ton of questions and, and things that I wanted to talk to him about. I never looked at my phone once. So the way I'm gonna answer this question is what I did is when I got back to my hotel after, I, I knew I was like this, you know, Charlie Munger, this is like a night Charlie Munger may never remember, right? Cause you think he's 99 years old, think about all the life experiences that this guy's had, what's in his brain, right? It's a night that he may never remember and it's a night I'll never forget. So I just wrote down like, what are the things that I wanted to remember? And so to answer this question, I just want to run through some of my notes with you. There's like one main theme. What's interesting about Charlie is like a lot of his ideas interact with each other and they, they combine and they, they become even more powerful. It's like this Lollapalooza effect that he talks about all the time. So what I would say is like the main thing that I took away from the dinner that I think is something I've already tried to put in practice. It, it's really important to me, like something that clicked when I was, I was reading, um, it's episode 286. I think the book is called, has a terrible title. It's like, all I want to know is where I'm going to die so I won't go there. But while I was going through the words of Charlie and Warren Buffett in that book, something clicked. And I think it clicked with a lot of people because 
when you put a podcast out, right, I just do these things by myself and then I release it and I have no idea what the reception will be. And what's interesting to me is like people will pick up on specific lines and like those lines will resonate far and above everything else that you said on the podcast. And so something I said on that podcast that clicked for a lot of people and clicked for me was that learning is not memorizing information. Learning is changing your behavior. If I spend all this time reading about Charlie Munger, watching his Q&As at the Berkshire meeting, listening to his speeches, reading books, uh, reading people that were influenced by him, and it doesn't change my behavior. I'm just wasting time. And so the, the main theme, the, the thing that jumped out the most was Charlie has an almost complete indifference to problems. His perspective, if I could summarize it, it would be like, hey, troubles from time to time should be expected. They're an inescapable part of life. So why let it bother you? Just handle them and then move on. And this idea, it, he's talking about in business, there's problems that are inescapable and in your personal life. And this idea combines with two other ideas that he talked about at the dinner. And he talks about, you know, in the books and in speeches and everything else. In that Charlie looks at nearly everything through the lens of history. And the, his perspective, if I could summarize it, it's like, you're not changing human nature. Things will just keep repeating forever. And so the fact that this guy has deep historical knowledge, right? He knows that human nature just repeats over and over again. And the fact that because of that, that deep historical knowledge, he knows that you're, no one's getting through life without problems. So then that leads to the summation and what's going to change, hopefully changes the behavior, which is actually the learning part, right? Where it's like, okay, just because problems are inevitable, it doesn't mean like, you want an abundance of them. So his whole thing is like wisdom is prevention, which is only three words. And it's crazy if you just sit there and think about what that actually means. And his whole point is like, listen, problems are inescapable, but you need to do your best to avoid problems. And the way you do that, this is the, the third uh, idea that ties together, is you go for great. It's harder to do, but it makes your life easier if you go for great. Great businesses are rare. Great people are rare, but they're worth the time to find. Great businesses throw off way less problems than average or poor businesses. Just like great people have way will, will, will cause way less problems in your life than average or low quality people in the podcast. I hope you listen to the whole thing. Uh, I hope it's even good. I was just so excited and on such like a high. I don't even know if it made sense. I listened to it back. I'm like, okay, I think this is good. But um, but I you know I was just so I was just so influenced by just being able to meet him. It, it, you know I I'm just incredibly grateful for it. And like I didn't want to try to hide my excitement. You know, and the fact that, yeah, he is my hero. Like, I know he's a human being just like you and I, but I do admire him and I do think he's the wisest person I ever come, I've ever come across. And I am, you know, trying to, in many ways, like, pattern my life after him, um, like, in my own unique way. On that episode, I, I talk about, like, a description of, you know, if you're around, like, a low quality or average quality human. Uh, there's this, this phrase that my wife says in Spanish that it's just perfect and it describes it and it says, that person could drown in a cup of water. And so that one thing, go for great, like spend the time to, to find a great business. I already think like this, you know, took me 30 something years to find my life's work, which obviously I think founders is my life's work. I believe it to be my life's work. I think it's a absolutely great business. It's something I'm obsessed with. And so now taking Charlie's advice, I know that the likelihood is that I'm not going to be, my business isn't going to go away because of competition. My business is going to go away because humans can't handle success. And so they always say it's like uh, Charlie. Another line that Charlie, sa Charlie says is fantastic. He's like, it's not that getting it's not getting rich that you have to worry about. It's staying sane. Most people never find a great business, right? Then once they get into a great business, they get bored or their their attention span dwindles, whatever the case is, and then they just screw it up by jumping around. And that's why a lot of Charlie's theme is like patience, patience, patience. He said something in the dinner 
that was fantastic. I wish I could have wrote it down, but he said that like the advantage that him and Warren have, you know, they, they repeat this. It's like it's temperament. And he used an adjective. I couldn't remember what it was, but he's like, we just part of our success is we had this this unusual combination of extreme patience, extreme patience and like ferocious aggressiveness when they find like a good business because they're just sitting, 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 waiting for something. They find it and they, they act incredibly fast. So I just want to tie this up before I go on to other because I can go off on a bunch of tangents on the, on here. But this idea, it's just like, OK, go for great. It'll make your life easier if you go for great. Just find great business. And, you know, maybe that's one great business. Maybe it's two. It's certainly not 50. And I really think you just need one. So find a great business and then surround yourself with great people. And if you do that, you're still going to have problems in life. You'll just have a lot less. And then you'll know what did Charlie say, right? I got a little Charlie Munger on my shoulder. Oh, this is a problem. That's fine. I'm going to handle it. I'm not going to whine about it. I'm going to handle it. I'm going to move on my life because problems are just part of life. If you're truly getting wiser, you'll learn how to avoid most of the problems that are underneath that are under your control. So that is the main lesson. Here's a few other ones that that we talked about. Do not spend time on regrets. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be learning from your mistakes. It's like everybody's going to make mistakes. Rub your nose in your mistakes so you're making sure that you're not making that mistake again. He talked about the early part of his career when they were just buying quote unquote great values but crappy businesses. And he's like, you you have to learn from that. It's just like, no, th- these crappy businesses are, you're getting them for that price for a reason. It's like, just pay a little bit more and get a great business and then just keep that business forever. And so that's part of him saying, hey, I don't regret that I made me these mistakes and getting in these bad investments or getting in these bad businesses. Like they taught me something and then I just moved on. I'm not going to worry about it. And then I also got to ask him, I was like, well, what I love to do, and you see this on the podcast, hopefully it's like, I spent a ton of time in these books thinking about like their earlier life and not the, the 90 or 70 or 80 year old version of Charlie, but like, what was Charlie doing when he was 20? What was he doing when he was 30? What was he doing when he was 41 when he decided, Hey, I'm going to be a full-time investor. I'm not going to practice law anymore. And I was talking to him about that. I was like, man, I'm like reading about you at this young age. And you kind of see they're, they're stumbling onto their ideas. They're kind of trying to figure them out. And they're getting closer and closer to like what Berkshire is going to be. And at that time, Berkshire didn't even exist. And I was just like looking back at this now, you know, at your age, like, are you surprised how successful? Because I'm thinking about the young Charlie Munger, the young Warren Buffett. And like, how, are you surprised how successful that you and Warren turned out to be? And he goes, how could you not be? And then that led to this tangent because you could tee Charlie up with a question, but Charlie's going to talk about whatever Charlie wants to talk about. And he should because the, the amount of information that's in this guy's brain and the entire night, he just told story after story after story of this, this amazing business they bought or this amazing deal or the, this went bad or, oh, I thought this was right. And his recall was absolutely incredible. And this went on a tangent. He's like, actually, I think that me and Warren get too much credit. He thought that was interesting. And he was talking about the fact that he finds it really odd to be so wealthy and so loved. And his point is like, that's not a normal human reaction. Like there is this egalitarianism in human nature that, you know, people just in general, like you have any level of success, especially on his level, right? Multi, multi billions of dollars of wealth produced for himself and his family. Like that's not usually, you know, people can react. Most people react poorly to that. And what I thought about this after, I was like, you know what? I wonder if it's because he spent, him and Warren spent so much time teaching other people. Like if you think about what poor Charlie's Almanac is, what the questions that he takes at the Berkshire meeting is, are, are what, um, what the share, Warren Buffett shareholder letters are. Like those are, 
their their lessons. Like they're all they're doing is saying, hey, we learned all this stuff. And this is uh, what we learned. Let's take time into writing out the lessons in the form of the shareholder letters and then sharing the lessons that we learned through answering the questions at the meeting. And in, 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 in aggregate, you know, you have, what is that, four or five decades? I think it's like 50 or 60 years they've been doing this. Let's, say, let's just say half a century. A half a century of documented lessons. And then they turn it out and they just make it available for free for everybody else. And so how many entrepreneurs, investors, executives, people interested in business, have been educated by Warren and Charlie over their lifetimes. Millions. That's not an understatement. Millions of people. And this is certainly the way I feel. Like, I don't look at, I don't, I don't do this anyways, because I, I, it's, it's remarkable how many smart and successful people I meet that are still, like, caught up in envy, that are worried about, like, this is crazy to me. And it's something I learned from Charlie. He's like, the world isn't run by greed. It's run by envy. And, and like, you just have to, to have a good life. You have to cure yourself of envy. Like, somebody else is getting richer than you. Who gives a shit? That is always going to happen. It has nothing to do with you. Why does it bother you? And I think that's how most people view Warren and Charlie. They're like, yeah, these guys are super rich, way more successful. But like, look at all the information they put out there that's valuable. Look at all the information that could change your life. Um, so that's my own personal opinion. Like, I didn't get a chance to ask him. I didn't ha even have that thought at the time. I just thought about that when I was writing these notes. I was like, oh, that is kind of like, why, why is that so different? You know, there's, no, there's nobody outside of Warren Buffett's uh, or, or Charlie Munger's house, you know, uh, protesting or like with a guillotine or all these crazy things that people do when you, you get to like the top of like the world's richest people list, you know, there is like a, an interesting, like, why is that the case? Like, why are they the, the exception? So my guess is, again, they spent a ton of time teaching others. Another thing, ask the question, like, what role did like your parents play in like your drive for success? Like, were you trying to like show mom and dad, like, hey, this is what I could do? And, you know, Charlie's like, no, he's like, I always had an inner clock. I just do what I want to do. And I don't care about the ideas or thoughts of other people. And as a result, this inner clock, he talks about like deals like they turn down, they could make they, they get all kinds of crazy deal flow from their positions, as you can imagine. I think the teaching aspect of that is a huge part of it. And yet they, they have opportunity to make like a bunch of money risk free. And it's like a business they, that, you know, may harm other people or they just didn't like it and they would turn it down. So that's his whole like inner clock thing. He's like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And that was a larger theme, too, where Charlie's not his whole thing is just like he likes people that like one of his favorite entrepreneurs is Jim Sinegal from Costco. Um, I, I got to ask him, I was like, why can't I find any information on Jim? He doesn't give speeches. There's no books. He's like, because he's busy working. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. But um. He just like, if you think about it, he's like, well, just go out and build a business that helps other people. Like what is the whole business model of Costco is like they use their size to get unbelievably deals, unbelievable deals for their customers. And then instead of like marking up more than they could, they just pass that savings on to their millions and millions of customers. And I think I read in the, the Tower Charlie Munger, they have like 150 million checkouts a year. That, that information's, you know, maybe a decade old. So it's probably even more than now. So like, what is the aggregate goodwill of like just amount of savings that that this idea that Jim had and that he grew over multiple decades like what is the benefit to his customers and to society at large like it's it's large like you're saving a ton of money because of this unique business uh, that that Jim built and I think that's what Charlie would give you advice to do is just like do something that other people value and then do it for a long time and really 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 give a shit about the business that you, like you can tell his whole thing is like hey you're gonna you're gonna have more success another like hack of his and i hate using the word another like good idea of his maybe that's a better way is just like if if you just move yourself into a business where you have an intense interest that's gonna cure most of your problems like you're just gonna think about it all the time 
Uh, you're going to constantly improve it. You're not going to quit. And that right there is probably, you know, 80 to 90 percent of it. And then something else that I was lucky about is the fact that um, the night started in Charlie's library. So he was sitting there. We're in a small group. And his back is to like uh, behind him is all his bookshelves. And I was just scanning his bookshelves. I was just talking and I noticed a bunch of books uh, that I had read. So I was able to like bring up these obscure books. Like I brought up the fact that I saw Henry Kaiser's uh, biography on the shelves. And I read that book like four years ago. It was episode 66 of, of Founders. And so then Charlie just goes into, I just bring up Kaiser and like what he thought about him. And like his recall was just unbelievable. You know, he hadn't read that book in a long time. Winds up knowing Henry Kaiser's partner. Could tell you about the, the businesses that Henry built. Uh, could tell you about the role that he played in World War II building the Liberty ships. We talked about the fact that Kaiser bought, uh, was one of the people that built, uh, helped build the, the Hoover Dam. And so this, this kind of thing just happened. You just mentioned one person. He could talk about it forever. And that really made me realize, it's like, okay, anybody at 99 years old is going to have some kind of cognitive decline. But imagine, like, just how powerful this guy's mind was when he was younger. And, like, that's, he did a lot of work to do that. You know, he's read thousands and thousands of book, books, spent thousands and thousands, ten, not even tens of thousands, I don't know, 100,000 hours deep in thought, thinking about the stuff he's learning, thinking about the things that are going on in the world, thinking about what he wants, like, how the business that he wants to build. And so that knowledge... Firsthand, he always talks about how knowledge compounds, like be a learning machine, go to, you know, he says, go to sleep every night a little smarter than you were. And if you do that over a long period of time, it really makes a difference. Like you see that in his conversations. Like, oh, this guy lives his ideas. He's not just out there BSing people. He's like, this is just, I'm just telling the ideas that I use in my life. And if it was valuable for me, it's probably valuable for other people. Like, I just think that's, it's, it's part of his wisdom is just how simple it is. And what Charlie would tell you is like, well, okay, well, if it's simple advice, like, why aren't more people using it? It's just like, it's in human nature to overcomplicate things. And so that's just his whole point is like why he repeats things over and over again. Because it's like, you just have to keep it as simple as possible because you're likely just by like your natural tendency is going to overcomplicate your life. And then, of course, one of the questions I had to ask him was I wanted to talk to him about Ben Franklin because Ben Franklin was his hero. Charlie makes like these busts of uh, people he admires and two of the people he has busts of are Ben Franklin and Lee Kuan Yew. He calls Lee Kuan Yew like the Warren Buffett of Singapore. Singapore. But when we were talking about Ben Franklin, uh, I brought up this book uh, that covered, I think it was episode 251. Uh, it's uh, Franklin and Washington about their their partnership they had. And he, didn't, he hadn't read the book yet, but he knew all about like uh, Franklin's relationship with Washington. And so what he, he was talking to us a lot about, like, you know, he believes it's unlikely to ever have another life as remarkable as Ben Franklin, that he, he was... Number one in business, number one in science, number one in politics, all in like at the same time in one life form or lifetime is just like that's never we're never gonna see that again. And he just thinks he's just absolutely wise and remarkable. And if you read Ben Franklin, you realize that what Charlie did is just take a lot of Franklin's ideas and then update them and reword them. Um, but a lot of it's they, they think very similarly uh, and, and the way they communicate uh, is very it's, it's very similar as well. But what I thought was interesting is the, the important part that jumped out of him is the fact that Ben Franklin did something very smart. He says Ben Franklin did something very smart his whole life was that he sought out other impressive people like George Washington. He did this when he was young. He did this when he was old. He did it his entire life. And then Charlie went in. He says, Andrew Carnegie did this too. And then I got to ask him a follow-up question. I was like, well, is, is this something that you did in your life? And immediately he says, absolutely and still do. And he was pointing out, I was like, you find, go for great. Goes back to that main idea, right? Go for great. Find other, first of all, build yourself up into an impressive impressive, formidable person. That takes a lot of work, right? But once you do that, you find other people that are like you and then you build relationships with them. And they made, 
in many cases, they had friendships and business relationships with the same people that they met in their youth their entire lives. A lot of them have, you know, passed away since then. But it was something very important. And Charlie still does this where he seeks out other, you know, young, interesting, smart people or whatever the case is. Every single person at this dinner with me, there's only, I think, five of us. I, they're all, we're all 50 years, 60 years younger than Charlie. And he was also talking about, like, if he doesn't see people in person, like, he'll, he'll seek out and he'll talk to other smart people on Zoom. You know, he's still doing this at 99. He's still curious. He's still reading, still paying attention to what's going on in businesses. He's like not, never going to stop. He's like, the only the way this is going to stop is when he dies. Another thing goes back to like the, just building your business around a set of simple ideas. They have that, that notoriety, that like cult-like following because of the, the, their just constant teaching, constant sharing everything they learn. You know, a lot of people call them first. They see a lot of deals first. And so they combine that idea with the fact that they made so much money because they had they always had a ton of cash and they could move fast. And he would tell deals, you know, crazy examples where like somebody calls on like a Saturday and they're like, hey, this b business is like having a bunch of trouble. There's maybe one subsidiary that Charlie Warren knew about in advance because they're like <laughs> they know what's going on. They know what they're interested in. They're just waiting for the opportunity to get it. And uh, in one case, they're like, hey, uh, if you want this. Uh, we need $450 million. And this is like on a Saturday morning or something. And we need it by Monday. And it was interesting because the lawyers are telling Warren and Charlie, no, we can't do this. Like, we don't have a contract yet. We have to go through it. We should inspect it. And because of their relationships, because of the fact that they know in their mind, like, what assets they want. And Charlie said, like, Warren and Charlie ignored the lawyers. They're like, no, we think this is a good deal. Warren wired the money first thing Monday morning without even an email. No contract, no email. Just on the strength of the relationship with the person calling them and the fact that they knew the, the actual value of the asset that they were buying. And Charlie said something like they made a couple billion dollars on that deal risk-free. And so that's just like one example of a bunch of, he just walked us through like the way they thought about things. And again, it's, it's like, yes, if you look at Berkshire today, unbelievably complicated. You can't imagine like how the hell this thing came to, to exist. But if you look at it from their perspective, it was like, okay, we started out doing one thing. I mean, like 40 He's like 41, I think, Warren. Let's say he's mid-40s. Warren's like late 30s, you know, as they're like trying to figure this out. And then they just keep building on it, keep learning from it. And over time, that's when you get it's like super complicated. But from their, from their perspective, it's like, oh, it's like simple because we were learning as we went. And then we had an idea. It's like, oh, whoop, we made a wrong mistake here. Okay, we'll just course correct real quick and then we'll keep, we won't do that next time. And then we'll just keep building and building and building. And this goes back to like, I really do believe in something that's so important. Time is just going to carry most of the weight. Time is going to do most of the work. The hard part for you and I is like finding a truly great business with truly great people around us and just staying there. And not all of the advice that he was giving us was was business advice. Like something is interesting. Few people there were parents. He says he's like, listen, I didn't try to steer my kids or my grandkids into what they should do for a living. This is very similar. And I, this is like also being self-aware. It's like Charlie knows he's rare. Like he's very aware that he is rare. Like the idea that you're going to have somebody like him, like you're just going to keep birthing, you know, I think he's got like 10 kids, like 30 something grandkids. Who knows how many? This is just un unlikely. Like he's a one in a 10 million kind of person. And so he's like, listen, one, he thought it was it was beneficial that he got rich. He got wealthy later in life. But if you ask him, like, this is something people struggle with. You know, they're like, hey, in many cases, they you are interested in entrepreneurship, you're interested in investing, you build a very successful life. Some of that success is financial. And then all of a sudden, like your kids are growing up in like comfort that that Charlie didn't grow up in. And so like, how do you deal with that? And he's like, of course, of course, some of them are going to be less motivated because they were born rich. 
Like, what? there's no solution to that problem. And then he talked about, like, what do you do? Like, you know, people struggle with, like, when they're wealthy. It's like, what do you do? Like, are you going to give that money to your kids? And his advice was the most unique. Because this is something that appears over and over again in these biographies that I read. And no one has the answer. Everybody's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, sometimes it turns out well. Sometimes it turns out bad. And his whole point, he goes, you have to give them the money or they're going to hate you for it. And his whole point is, it's like you wanted, you had kids, you wanted to build a good relationship with them. You've tried to lead by example. That's all you can do. And what's the point of like building wealth and then saying, sorry, kids, like I'm giving this all away. And then having it's, he's like, it's just in human nature. His whole thing. Let's go back to what do you, what's at the very top of my list. He's like, he looks at everything through the lens of history. You aren't changing human nature. Things will just keep repeating forever. Are you learning from that? Are you learning from history or not? And in Charlie's case, he's obviously learning from history. He's like, oh, you know, they're just going to hate you for it. So I think when his wife died, he said something like his wife died, I think, 10 or 12 years ago. And they had given away, I think they gave away of half their fortune to like their kids and grandkids, you know, and that's dispersed through like a, a big amount of a large amount of people. But it's still a lot of money. And, you know, he, he thought that was, that's what you should do. And he's like, there's no point in doing all this and then having getting to the end of your life and you're having a bad relationship with your kids or having your kids resent you he's like that's that just doesn't make any sense and so yeah of course in some cases they're going to be less motivated because they're born rich that too is also human nature and then i had a selfish question i got to ask him i was like charlie like why didn't you write an autobiography like what come on man that would be fantastic and he says to his answer was question he said uh his his answer was very simple he's like well it's too hard to do correctly and i didn't want to do it and there's also another, enough people out there like categorizing and summarizing and organizing his thoughts. Uh, I thought it was funny. It was like one of my personal goals is like, okay, live a life so remarkable that somebody writes a book about it and then you can have that book on your shelf before you die. And so I found there's a few books about him on his shelf. One of them I haven't done for the podcast and it's shame on me. It's called Seeking Wisdom from Darwin to Munger, I think. Um, so th I'll do that soon. Uh, maybe I'll like, maybe in like a month or two. Um, I don't want to keep doing just, not all Charlie Munger episodes, but I'll definitely do that episode. Um, and I don't think I want to wait too long because I want like the, the this like dinner from him to still be, you know, in like fresh in my mind. Um, so he didn't want to write an autobiography. He did talk about that poor Charlie's Almanac is being reprinted and uh, there's going to be an online version soon through Stripe Press. And I think that's coming later on this year, which is fantastic because the, I have the physical book, but I would love to be able to search that book and to have a Kindle version would be excellent. Charlie is who he says he is. Like, he loves a good deal. He talked about, like, look at this shirt I bought. You know, it was $12. I've had it forever. Look at this watch. You can't get it cheaper. Uh, he lived in a modest house. It was, it was a, don't get me wrong, it was a nice house. But there's no way that you think that a multi-billionaire lives in that house. And so that goes back to, you know, he is who he says he is. He's just like, listen, I like to read. I like to make money with my mind. I like to talk to interesting, smart people. I like to think about the world. And he's like, he built a world around that. He just happened to be you know, unbelievably good at that to the point where like, you know, his brain can essentially produce an unlimited amount of money. And that leads me to the last thing that I wrote down. And I think it applies not, he's going to say this for investing, but it applies to building a business. Like if done, done at the highest levels, entrepreneurship, investing at the highest levels, they produce the most material, they produce the most wealth in the world. That, that should tell you right from the outside. At least it's not easy. It's supposed to be hard. It's going to be hard. It fights against your nature, every bone in your body, every, all of your nature. Because most of these businesses, like all the, what Peter Thiel says in Zero to One, it's like the problem with the technology industry now is that they optimize for growth at the expense of durability. And that doesn't make any sense because all the value of a company is coming 
10, 20, 30 years into the future, and everybody quits before they collect the value. Charlie and Warren just said, okay, well, this is going to compound. We'll just ride this thing for the rest of our lives, which again is obviously the smart thing and go for great. And so the last thing he said was being good at investing is a very rare skill. It is not distributed widely and it will never be. And so when I think of entrepreneurship, it's not an art or a science, it's a practice. And so when I'm hearing Charlie say that to me, it's like being good, being a good founder is a very rare skill. It is not distributed widely and it will never be. And so what I'm doing with that information is I'm going to keep it my practice for as long as possible. I'm going to use the lessons from history's greatest entrepreneurs as leverage. And then I'll let time carry most of the weight. And at the end of that, I will be in possession of a very rare skill. And that is where I left it. I just have one ask or one suggestion uh, for you. One of my favorite things that Charlie ever said, he said at the Berkshire meeting, uh, Berkshire annual meeting back in 2010, and he said that the best thing that a human being can do is help another human being no more. And so the one suggestion I have for you is I'm going to leave a link in the show notes. In the la for the last few years of his life, Charlie was working hand in hand with Stripe and Stripe Press to republish a new version of Poor Charlie's Almanac. There's going to be a digital version for the first time. There is a several hour interview that Charlie recorded with John Collison, one of the co-founders of Stripe. I already have an advanced copy. In fact, I have two advanced copies of the Stripe Press version of Poor Charlie's Almanac. It's incredibly well made. The book is actually released next week. It is a great collection of the knowledge that Charlie Munger accumulated over his lifetime and that he wanted to share with other people. So I will leave that link down below. I highly recommend pre-ordering the book and buying copies for yourself and for your loved ones. I will also leave a list of all the Charlie Munger episodes that I've made so far. I would start with episode 295, which I referenced in this. It's called I Had Dinner with Charlie Munger, episode 286. It's titled Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. It's based on the book. All I want to know is where I'm going to die, so I'll never go there. Buffett and Munger, A Study in Simplicity and Uncommon Common Sense. Then episode 221 is on uh, Charlie Munger's biography titled Damn Right. Episode 90 is the first time I ever did an episode on Poor Charlie's Almanac, the original version. I'm rereading Poor Charlie's Almanac now, the straight press version, and eventually we'll do an episode on that in the next week or two. That's episode 90. Episode 79 is on the book The Complete Investor, which is about Charlie Munger. And finally, episode 78, which is the first time I made an episode on this fantastic little book called The Tao of Charlie Munger. That list of episodes will also be in the show notes as well. I highly recommend starting with episode 295 if you have not listened to it yet. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.